What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. This is the Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS podcast brought to you through the Better Sports app. Uh, I am Dan Malin, and I am joined, as always, by the FSWA three-time NASCAR Writer of the Year, Matt Sells. Matt, we had a lot of big news break this last week, and we are previewing the final road course race of the season at the Charlotte Roval. Uh, but overall, uh, what are your quick hitting thoughts on the 2024 NASCAR schedule? Uh, it's not as good as I thought it was going to be, nor could it be. Um, I know there's some turnover in tracks. Obviously, Auto Club is being redeveloped as a short track going from a two mile uh, intermediate down to, I think, like basically the West Coast version of Bristol is essentially what they're going for. Um, so that's going to be out of commission for a little bit. I don't know why they messed with the playoffs for, for one. I think the only consensus, like the request for the playoffs was just get Texas out of there, but that well, they really get it off the schedule in the first <laughs> year, <laughs> yeah. overall. But then my other concern is why is the first Atlanta race so early in the season? I mean, yeah, you live in Atlanta. It's still really cold in February in Atlanta. Yeah. The, the track conditions between the February race and what will now be a September race in Atlanta, they're going to be so different. So uh, I guess it doesn't really matter for that style of racing. Uh, I actually, The reason I like bumping Atlanta up is because, for me, I always find myself in this, do I want to go, do I not want to go? Because the weekend that it always falls on is the first weekend for NCAA, like the national tournament for basketball yeah and so i have to you know go back and forth if do i want to go to the race or do i want to watch college basketball ultimately though like i like that it gets bumped to february because i don't have to make that decision but it's still going to be cold and i think the biggest complaint that everyone's going to have is that you have back-to-back drafting races between daytona and atlanta right so it's, it's it's not like the greatest start another issue i have with the schedule is that they lost a west coast race in auto club correct and they still aren't moving Sonoma into the spring when the grass is going to be green Correct. and it's not burnt. It literally will look like a much more appealing race on TV if, if it's just if it's the scenic version of Sonoma, not the version we get in June when the grass is burnt and it doesn't look as pretty. Correct. Um, I think a logistical issue that NASCAR has with that is that it would require teams to essentially bring extra cars on that yes. the swing. Um, I don't know. I, I like to think that we had some good ideas for the 2024 schedule. And after all the mystery and, and the delay in releasing it, it, it was kind of a letdown. Yeah. Also, the hint of, well, you all are going to need passports and then there's no international, there's no like Montreal yeah. race. Like everybody expected like a doubleheader with F1 in the Montreal, you know, circuit. Villeneuve. Yeah. Uh, nope. None of that. Um, there's a three week break, which. To be honest, I totally missed that it was a three-week break when I first looked at it. Like I was just looking for one, you know, break. But Father's you are Day. correct that yeah. there is no race between July 21st and August 11th, thanks to the 2024 uh, Summer Olympics in Paris. Um, so we get, I guess, an F1 version of the summer break. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how things roll there, but. The playoffs, I don't, I don't really get because they added Atlanta to the playoffs. Yep. But they also have Talladega in the playoffs, and they have two drafting races in the playoffs, which is a problem. <clears throat> we still got after everybody swearing up and down that the Charlotte Roval is off the schedule. Nope, it's still there. It's in the playoffs, and then 
they added Watkins Glenn to the playoffs, which I guess is because of the break. Mm-hmm. I guess it would eat where it normally is in the schedule. Um, and then Darlington. So what do you think about Darlington being the regular season finale now and not Daytona? That doesn't – it doesn't bother me, but at the same time, part of me feels like Darlington should be a playoff race. I agree. I really liked it in the playoffs this year. Yeah, uh, because it is a technical race. It is a race that does test a driver's ability to manage tires, and, and plus it's it's always a tough track because it's just the way that it's shaped. Um, and, you know, you can run along the wall, but obviously you increase the risk of, you know – tagging the wall and, and cutting a tire by doing so. But like, it's, it's just a, it's a great race because it's an older surface tires come into play. There's so many grooves and lines you can run. There's there's strategy throughout. And so I do kind of miss that aspect of like that. That to me is what a, a playoff race should be. It's why we love Homestead so much in the playoffs. Um, Correct. Yeah. Adding two, now you have two drafting tracks. You have two road courses in the playoffs. Denny Hamlin was kind of right. Like you're not really testing the drivers. You're, it's mostly just boiling down to luck in two of these 10 playoff races or yeah, 10 playoff races. Yeah. Um, it's also interesting to me that somehow there's not a double header on this schedule. And I'll say like, I think we were just trying to talk that into existence too much. Um, there were no, slight like, rumblings of it. Yeah. But what I was going with though, is that it starts, the schedule starts basically when it always does, mm-hmm. which is, the week after the Super Bowl, which, by the way, is a week later than it normally is, thanks to the extra regular season game the NFL now plays, right? So the Daytona 500 is February 18th, which is about where it normally is. Yet, somehow, they take a three-week break in the, in the season, and they finish only one, one week later. later than they do this year? Yeah. Like... I'm just a little confused as to how they managed to fit every race. And, like, that tells me that there's more break weekends that we could have now. So it would be less grueling for everybody involved. Um, I don't know. It's, I'm sure it'll be fine, but, you know, harping on the little eccentricities of the schedule is, is certainly interesting. I do like seeing Iowa on the schedule. I think that's I think that's pretty cool that uh, Iowa finally got a cup race. Um, I'm desperately hoping that they use the intermediate package at Iowa and not the short track package. Yeah. Um, even though it is a short track, it's like 0.875 miles. It's like seven eighths of a mile. Yeah. Um, because the intermediate package is simply better. But yeah, again, they didn't really put a whole lot of more intermediates on there. Everybody like knows the intermediate package is the best one, and then somehow there's no... Yeah, I thought this was going to be the last World War race. I thought we would get another Charlotte intermediate race in the playoffs, and we didn't. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad to see the... Oh, I guess I'm... I don't know if I'm glad to see the Indy Oval back on the schedule. I don't know what to make of that. The road course was a bust. It was a bust, but I can't guarantee that the oval is going to be any better because usually the cars get so strong. Like, people complain that Pocono is boring, and now you've basically added a second Pocono. 
but we will turn our attention now to finally discussing uh, the Cup Series race this weekend over the next 20 minutes. Uh, it's the last road course of the season. Uh, the Charlotte Roval, kind of a hybrid. Uh, it's It resembles, you know, the style of Indianapolis's road course where it incorporates the oval and the infield road course. It's very similar to the Daytona road course when they ran that twice a couple years ago. Um, so, you know, just to get it out in the air, like we're taking the standard road course approach where we devalue laps led, especially on FanDuel. There are 109 laps in this race that gives you probably 65 dominator points to consider on DraftKings. Um, gives you there are stage breaks. There are stage breaks. I once again, NASCAR changing its own rules to bring back stage breaks for a road course. Um, do you think that has anything to do with the fact that? I think it was Indy or one of the road courses that turned into a sub two hour race without the stage breaks and well, it was Watkins, yeah, Watkins Glen the week after Indy, but we had like between I guess the lap two caution in Indy and whenever Chase Elliott decided to run out of fuel at Watkins Glen, um, there were no cautions, so it was like four hours straight of green flag road course racing, um, which I quite enjoyed, but apparently people found boring because. People don't actually like racing, I guess. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, NASCAR came out and said, we're going to have stage breaks because it's a playoff race and we want every race in the playoffs <clears throat> to be the same. Even though they stated that before the season, every road course would get rid of the stage break cautions, including the Roval. Like, had they said, will we reserve the right to change it for the Roval? Because it's a play... Like, I don't think it'd be that big of a deal, but now you you've changed it mid course because you want to give people points on a cutoff race to help. I don't I don't know shake things. So it's I guess that to me changes some stuff because now you have multiple different strategies going going on because there are forced cautions, right? If it had been well, we'll give you the stage point cautions or the stage points without the cautions i think for dfs it would have brought in a whole lot more simple strategies Mm -hmm. and now with the stage breaks i think there's a lot more strategy for dfs and trying to figure out who's going to be where at the stage cautions and who's then going to stay out to get the points versus pitting early because they want the win uh, in discussing the remaining playoff drivers, uh, Brad Keselowski is currently holding on to the eighth and final uh, playoff spot for the round of eight. Yeah, sort uh, of, by like two points. Yeah, by uh, two points. Tyler Reddick is right behind him, and we know Reddick has really shown up on road courses. Bubba Wallace is nine points back. I think uh, the stage breaks kind of help a driver like Bubba. Uh, Ross Chastain is 10 points back. He did win Coda last year, and we know Ross is the kind of driver that will do whatever it takes to not just win, uh, but to move on to the next round. Kyle Busch really stands out as the driver that needs a win for this race to move on because he's 26 points below the cutoff line. This is not particularly a super high-variant road course in my opinion and so it does strike me that this is a this is a race that he really needs to win if he wants to keep moving on yeah either that or he's gonna have to have some serious help from people who are ahead of him who might not be great at making left and right turns right um i would agree i think it's probably a win a, a win situation for kyle bush to make it um 
he's just going to need so many people to have bad days and for him to have like a top five finish and get stage points and guys like Kislowski and Redick and Bubba um, and a couple others who aren't that far ahead of the cutoff line to just like basically wreck out. And that's a lot to hope for. Um, I do think it's a reasonably variable road course though, between the turtles and the chicanes and heartburn turn, which we've seen be a, <laughs> just the star of the show. Like every, I guess like you're also right in the sense that, you know, Chase Elliott once wrecked here, but then he still won the race. Yeah. He literally drove him <laughs> into the turn one, the heartburn <clears throat> turn. Cause it's sponsored by, I think what roll aids, I think, mm-hmm. um, he literally drove himself into the wall on a restart, came back into the pack dead last and somehow pulled out a magic trick and won the race and then did the, you know, how do you like me now burnout standing on top of the car. Um, but then we've seen who wrecked himself trying to get back at Chase. Last was, Harvick. Was, it, was it Harvick? I think it was Harvick like, like two years ago or something. Yeah, punted himself into the wall. Um We've seen restarts where, like, half of the field just runs straight into the turn one wall because nobody got going. Um, so there's there's some chaos that can be involved here. Um, it's not to the level that we saw at Indy Road for the first two years of that track. Um, I would say I would say to expect a race kind of like Coda here, to be honest, because. There are technical parts of Coda, and then there are flat-out speed parts of Coda. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what you're getting here. The infield is reasonably technical. Um, then you're up on the banking. Then you've got a you know, you got high-speed shot down the back straight before you got a break and go into the chicane. And then – so it's a little bit of – and you have a similarly sharp and important turn one at Coda as you do at the Charlotte Roval. So we'll see. But in general – we're basically leaning on road course guys. We're, we're looking at guys who have done well at road courses previously to kind of anchor DFS stuff this week. Uh, and so pretty much, especially on FanDuel, you're looking for basically you want the winner of this race. Correct. Uh, you want PD, guys that can move up, move up to the field, still finish very well. How are you valuing um, the pole sitter? for this race because I haven't really done a deep dive too much into the cup series race, but I also saw that on the last three Xfinity series races, the pole sitter has either won it or he's finished second at least. And he's led at least 15 laps. And obviously laps led at road courses don't matter as much. Um, but ultimately like, you know, I feel like the pole sitter can be pretty consistent here. Um, I'm curious to see what AJ Allmendinger can do because he won the last four Xfinity races at the Roval. So in the Cup Series, um, the pole sitters never won this race. In the in the now five years it's been going, the pole sitters never won. Um, you've had so last year Bell won this starting eighth. Larson won it the year before starting tenth. Elliott the year before starting second. Elliott the year before starting nineteenth, and then Blaney won it. Um, he needed like a late wreck to get by, right? Yeah, he needed basically Jimmy Johnson sending it full send into the final chicane and wrecking Martin Trex Jr. Um, to to win it. But had Truex won it, Truex started 13th. Mm-hmm. So 
And if JJ had won it, yes, this is back when Johnson was still racing full-time, he started sixth. So either way, the pole sitter would not have um, won. So Kurt Busch was on the pole that year, led seven laps. Um, last year, we saw the pole sitter finish 18th. It was Logano, led 27 laps. Um, so it, it doesn't seem to me like the pole sitter really had, I mean, they lead kind of the first stage and then strategy tends to kick back in, um, and cause them problems. Cause Hamlin the year before last was on the pole, finished fifth, led 25 laps. So again, like if you look over who's won here, although you wouldn't necessarily consider Blaney to be a road course specialist. He did need help. Truex was in line to win that one. He's a road course specialist. Obviously, Chase Elliott, pretty good at road courses. Larson had that run there for a while, uh, and C. Bell's won a couple of them. So, you know, in that regard, paying attention to who's good at road courses does pay off here. Just kind of elaborating and expanding on what you were just talking about with road course specialists. One driver that stands out to me on DraftKings is Chris Buescher. Um, yes. I feel like he's a very underrated road course driver. Um, you know, like he finished third in 2021 in this race, and then he was sixth last year, and he almost won Sonoma last year uh, when Daniel Suarez won it, and then he was fourth earlier this year. So pretty much like on road courses, especially in this next-gen car, he's been very good. And he's only 8,800. And I do feel like, you know, he's not necessarily like a dark horse play anymore because he does have three wins this year. But on road courses, he is an exceptional driver. He just doesn't have a win on his resume. And I feel like $8,800 is for a playoff driver that's still in the mix. Like, it just seems like a misprice and an opportunity that I'll be jumping on for this race. I would agree. Um, if we look back at, so even if we just go with this year, Coda, he finished eighth. Uh, after starting 32nd, by the way. Um, then you got to the next one was Sonoma, the Save Mart 350. He started seventh, finished fourth, had four fastest laps. Chicago Street Race started 15th, finished 10th. Then you get to um, the Indy Road Course, started 17th, finished 11th. Watkins Glen started 13th, finished 7th. Um, so he's moved up very nicely. He's finished basically just either inside or just outside of the top 10 in all of them this year. He's run well last year. Yeah, I, I think that's a misprice. I also kind of wonder if they're baiting people with Almondinger at 9,000. I like to think so. Um, like, would and, you rather have McDowell at 91 or Almondinger at 9,000? Probably Almondinger. Well, no. I'll, I'll take... I'll I mean, take McDowell McDowell. won this year. Yeah. On a road course. <laughs> and I think, like, maybe in my own head, because I have to preview the Xfinity Series, that I hype up Almondinger too much just because he's never lost an Xfinity Series race here. But I guess if I'm looking at the current form, next-gen 2023 season, I'd lean McDowell just for the extra $100. But honestly, if I had to choose between these three, I think I might take Busher. I probably would too. I'd take the, the savings and go with Busher. Plus, I think he's going to be lower played. Because I think everybody goes, oh, Almondinger is phenomenal at open wheel and road course racing, and he's won the last four here in Xfinity and whatnot. And McDowell has the recency 
biased because he won one. Um, I don't think people pay attention to Busher. Uh, do you think Ross Chastain at 8,300 80, 80, uh, generates a ton of exposure? Um, uh, we did mention like he doesn't need a win, but 10 points back, and you kind of know how aggressive he's going to be in this race. I like the play. I I would like it for GPPs to take, because if he's aggressive and it works, it's going to pay off big time. But if he's aggressive yeah. and it doesn't, you're sunk, right? Like... It's uh, he's right now he's basically the ultimate boomer bust play, and the last five races kind of show that he's finished fifth, thirteenth, twenty third, second, and thirty eighth in the last five races. It's all over the map. Like granted, last week Talladega, but you know, it, it he's he's just all over the map still, um, and it goes like that. I could pick out any other five <clears throat> race segment. And it's basically the same thing too. Like, so I don't know. He's run well here previously, for whatever that you know holds. Yep. But I would, I, I think I'd rather just go down and go with Suarez, a, you know, a couple hundred bucks more than Chastain. Suarez has been. Uh... I love playing Suarez on super speedways just because he's really kind of turned around the narrative of being a bad drafter, but you know, he did win Sonoma last year, so I can't really say anything bad. Um, track house in general does seem to nail the setup for their cars on road courses. We've seen Chastain yeah. win Cotus and uh, Suarez won Sonoma and uh, SVG won the Chicago street course in his cup series debut. Uh, it wouldn't come as too much of a surprise if both their cars were elite this weekend. Um, I, I am curious, like, what is your approach with drivers like William Byron, Ryan Blaney? Those two are locked into the next round already. And Denny Hamlin has a 50 point cushion. So it's like, yeah, I think all he's got to do is basically start and not wreck in stage yeah, one. And he's fine. Just turn on the car and he should be good to go. Um, yeah, basically. But, you know, do you, do you think that those guys will be as aggressive? Um, or would you prefer targeting drivers that have more to race for? Um, Obviously, I'm fine playing any of them if they offer a position differential. Right. Now, we should state we're recording this Saturday morning <clears throat> due to scheduling. We don't know what the, the you know practice or qualifying results have been because um, we both have just couldn't do it this afternoon after practice qualifying. So, um, that being said, if they offer PD, then, yeah, I'm playing them. If they're starting in the top ten, I don't know because I think I could envision a scenario where – they don't want to mess stuff up for other like part of it is like I think I think Denny would still have the mentality of well if I win it then I knock somebody else out that I don't want to deal with like Chastain <laughs> or Kyle Bush yeah like because the next round is Homestead Vegas and Martinsville, Martinsville. right so Kyle Bush won Vegas earlier this year Right or did really well. Had a fast, had a really fast car. I thought Byron um, won Vegas. What? I thought Byron won Vegas. He may have, but I thought Bush ran. He might have. I thought Bush ran. Bush won Auto Club. Oh, Auto Club. Okay, they're getting the West Coast swing mixed <clears throat> up because it was March and six months ago. Yeah. Um. By the way, Kyle Bush is pretty good on intermediates. 
right? He's very good at Homestead. So if Denny doesn't want to deal with him, the surefire way to eliminate him is to win the race. Because mm-hmm. technically, Hamlin's a new winner in this round, right? Um, I don't know that Blaney and Byron would do it. I guess Byron's just going to show up and win. I mean, he did win Watkins Glen for the hell of it earlier <laughs> earlier this year. Um, but I, I would think that I would play them a little less simply because I don't think that they have the need to have the upside that other guys do. Um, that would be, that would be my thought on it. Are there any value plays that you like on this slate that kind of stand out ahead of practice and qualifying? Um, and it's kind of the, the normal guys. Um, I don't know. It's a little tricky because it is it is a road course. So like guys like LaJoy, I'm not as excited about. Um I was actually really surprised when Sellers came out and Ty Gibbs was eight thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, but I still like the results. Um, you know, this year he finished ninth at Coda, ninth at Chicago, twelfth at Indy, he was fifth at Watkins Glen. Uh in the Xfinity series, he won on similar hybrid tracks like Daytona uh, in Indianapolis. Obviously he didn't win the Roval in the Xfinity series because AJ Allmendinger just hogged all those wins. Um, But even in last year's Xfinity series race at the Roval, he finished second, he led 24 laps. So I could see this being a top 10 day for Ty Gibbs, but at the same time, I thought he would probably be 500 to $800 cheaper. I would tend to agree. I just don't see him like, yes, he's one of the Xfinity level, but Cup level, he hasn't quite put it together yet for road courses, so I'm a little surprised by that. Kislowski at 7,200 is intriguing to me for sure, especially because he's only two points up on the cut line and right. he needs as good of a run as you can possibly have because, like, Tyler Reddick is the guy that's trying to take his spot right now. <clears throat> yeah, there's some, um, you know, less concerned about Bubba since there's right turns involved. <laughs> Although he has gotten, but to his credit, he has gotten better on road courses, but it's still like a liability. Like at Watkins, yeah, Watkins Glen, he started 12, finished 12th. Solid day for him. He finished 18th at the Brickyard. Again, solid day. But notice how we're saying, like, oh, hey, he finished top 20. That's a good day for him. That's not like Sonoma finished 17th. Like, those are good days for Bubba on a road course, but they don't give you the value that you need. Like, for example, he was 7,200 at Sonoma on DK, started 18th, finished 17th, that's 27 points. So while we don't necessarily target 5X value specifically on road courses, as we've gone over previously, we would want more points than that from him at this price tag. Like, can I can I pitch you on some really stupid trends uh, for one of for a value driver that I'm intrigued by? Sure, I like stupid trends. <laughs> so Austin Dillon has. How did I know you were going here? <laughs> Austin Dillon has improved his roval finishes year by year. Uh, so in 2018, he wrecked and finished 39th. The next yeah. year, he finishes 23rd. The next year, he finishes 19th. That's 2020. In 2021, he finishes 15th. And then last year, he grabs the top 10. Dare we say he finishes top eight in this race? 
I mean, to be fair, the first year was a setup because he finished dead last. So it's yeah. like you're naturally going to finish higher than. I will say the year that he finished 19th, he also did start P6. And then in 2021, when he finished 15th, he started 14th. But last year, he started 15th and he finished 10th. Um, by no means do I anticipate ever playing a guy like this in cash games, especially on a road course. But I could really rally behind playing him in tournaments because I just don't think he generates like a ton of exposure. I think it's a nice leverage spot. And like For I said, that, yes, it's stupid analysis. Well, <laughs> sometimes there's just tracks that click with dudes. Right. And we can't explain it. Like why did Kyle Bush suck in the spring Dover race, but like dominated the fall Dover race. Mm-hmm. Like we, do, you know, obviously Dover doesn't have two races now, but when it did, his average finish in like the last seven Dover spring races was like 28th. And his average finish in the last seven fall Dover races was like 2.3. Right. Sometimes tracks just work with guys. Can't be explained other than he can figure it out. I, I don't know. Um, I would say he's only a GPP play, though, because if you look back at road courses this year, like Coda started 28th, somehow finished worse at 33rd. Um, you know, then you get to Sonoma, started 11th, finished 19th on a track where theoretically passing was hard to do. He figured out how to go backwards. Um, Chicago street course for whatever that, well, that was weird. Cause he like started the traffic jam, right? He may have, or ran into the, he may have run into the wall. I don't know. There was pure chaos in that race. He started 29th, finished 36th. Um, so that's, that's not ideal. Um, Brickyard, he did finish 16th at Indy road. Uh, but then he had trouble at Watkins Glen. So it's just, it just kind of seems like road course racing isn't great. He is due for a good day since he's finished 33rd or worse in three of the last four races. So I, I guess if you want leverage for a cheap dude, take a shot in GBPs. All right. Well, Matt, uh, we will be on the lookout for the NASCAR DFS playbook uh, for this race on Sunday. Uh, as always, best of luck to you uh, and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.